411Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Domestic violence affects millions, and it does not discriminate. It affects women, men, every socioeconomic status, every race, every culture. And as a matter of fact, there are so many people affected by domestic violence that you probably know someone who is a victim or has been a victim of domestic violence. Well, it is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. With this special month, it is only fitting that we talk about domestic violence. And joining me to do that is Nancy Stone. Nancy is a therapist with Jewish Family Services, specializing in services for domestic violence survivors. And Nancy, I want to just say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm very glad to be here. Very glad to talk about this topic. Um, It happens every single month, but October is the time in which we really Um, expand upon what we know and how it affects families and individuals. And so thank you for um, inviting me to be able to have this conversation. Absolutely. And I guess it is really good to have that concentrated effort on the awareness. Um, But like you said, it's, you know, 12 months out of a year. It is uh, a problem. Uh, I read just last night And it said that nearly three out of four Americans personally know someone who has been a victim of domestic violence. When you talk three out of four people, that means there are a lot of victims out there. There are a lot of victims. And so in some ways we could say, oh, well, it's just happening everywhere. So it mustn't be um, very impactful for people. But the reality is it's incredibly impactful on the individual level. Right. And I think about, you know, when you're out with your group of friends or, well, right now we're not doing the group thing, but when we did, um, the group of friends and you think about, you know, within that group, you know, there are probably people within there uh, who are victims of domestic violence, but you just don't know. So I, I say hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight, absolutely. You can't be in a gathering of about uh, more than a, a dozen individuals without really acknowledging there are at least two, maybe three yeah. individuals who have experienced it, are going through it right now, or may experience it in the future. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't discriminate by age. Yeah, that's and, a good point. You know, Every single um, area of our of people's lives, uh, their ethnicity, their economic status, their uh, religion, their age can um, either become a victim or has been a victim of domestic violence. Yeah. Yes. What are the stats um, at this point? Is it one in three, one in four women? Yeah, it's between one and three and one and four women over the course of their life will be um, a survivor of domestic violence. Um, For men, it's about um, one in six. 
Um, so that's their experience also. And a lot um, of times we kind of skirt over that or don't realize that men are affected. Absolutely. And families are affected yes. and uh, economically individuals are affected if they lose work, if they um, have to change where they live, if they um, have to change schools, all of the, the sort of the ripple effect of uh, domestic violence uh, affects every part of a person's life also. Speaking of that, you know, when we went into this pandemic uh, back in the spring, it's having a ripple effect on domestic violence, right? Yes, it is. Um, our services uh, from Jewish Family Services didn't stop. At Sojourner Family Peace Center, they didn't stop. But the numbers kept expanding. Um, the shelter had more people that were um, needing housing. Mm -hmm. The hotline there uh, got even more busy. Um, sensitive crimes with Milwaukee um, Police Department got even more busy. So yes, it is. It it did not take a break. And for at least for a number of the clients that I've been working with through this time, they're more isolated. They're they can't get out of their home as easily as they had been able to before. And uh, there's less supports with, with regard to like family members or friends, because everyone is also um, managing the pandemic uh, in any way they can. And so there's not quite as much support as maybe they had before that. Right. And I guess with the stress of the pandemic, whether mm -hmm. it's losing a job or hours being cut or Right. being at having to self-isolate or quarantine yeah. or that kind of thing and you're with the person all the time you can see where escalation is you know probable yes absolutely and um the kids were being impacted too because now you know they they i think when did they stop being in school maybe end of march, in march yeah mm -hmm. right so now uh, increased stress and also kids being home and needing um, either online learning that yes. one parent is having to do or um, childcare wasn't available anymore. So a significant increase in stress for families. Absolutely. Right. Even before the pandemic, though, you know, I, I always heard people say um, and you know, just for background, I am a former TV journalist, so I've done a lot of stories on domestic violence. But one of the questions would always come up, why doesn't she leave? You know, why doesn't the victim leave? Right. But that is, it's very complicated. It is very complicated. Um, and I, we could talk about that for a long while because there are a lot of moving parts to that. Um, I guess one of the things that I really want people to understand is that when um, an, an individual is experiencing domestic violence, it, it didn't just all of a sudden happen overnight. And suddenly everything was, you know, went from rainbows and unicorns, love and sweetness and light to, oh my goodness, this person is absolutely um, 
affecting me, terrorizing me, demeaning me, intimidating me, harming me. It, it, it didn't, it doesn't tend to happen that way. It, it, it starts in little, little snippets, but then you have times when it seems like, okay, he just must have had a bad day. Mm-hmm. I better not bother him on Fridays because his stress level is high or she, she's been stressed out with home. And so I just need to um, manage myself better. And the reality is that in domestic violence, um, we can't quite predict how things are going to unravel in a situation. And we also, when we're in that situation, we're just trying to manage it. We're just trying to bring calm to that moment. Let's see if we can get things to de-escalate. Let's see if we can calm the situation down. We're not watching our lives like we watch a television show. We're in our lives. We're in that hurricane. We're not the radar that's telling us, oh boy, there's a bad storm down there. We're in it. And, you know, we've all been in really bad storms and we just want to see cover. We want to be dry. We want to be safe. We hope the power doesn't go out. We are just managing the moment. And that's what domestic violence is like when you're in it. And also, what we do know is that when a person begins to think about, can I stay? Should I leave? We also know from statistics that our level of danger goes up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, right. But you know, so, uh, and I'm not going to stop you there because I want you to come back to this because mm-hmm. yes, yesterday when we were talking, I thought you said something really great. You said, uh, you know, when we say, why don't, why don't, why doesn't she leave? And I said it was complicated. And you said, because uh, an abuser is not abusive 100% of the time. Right. You know? Right. And I thought that, that's good. That's good. Right. And when we first met the person who's winding up abusing us, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't come up and meet us and with a shirt on them that, that, you know, the logo said, I will make your life horrible and miserable and create chaos. Um, How about a date? Yeah. (laughs) That's not how it starts. So it, and um, human beings have both a logical, rational mind and we have an emotional mind and our emotional mind oftentimes enjoys the attention, the care, the, uh, the way in which the beginning of a relationship begins, kindness, attention, um, maybe there's gifts that are being given, maybe there's just a lot of positive attention. Our, our emotional brain really likes that. Yeah, It gets confused when, when now something dangerous happens or something really um, potentially intimidating or manipulative happens. We're not sure what to do with that. Yeah. Right. Right. And our logical rational brain isn't sitting outside of us saying now, now, Nancy, this person is going to be really dangerous to you in the future. So you need to just step away and walk away. Wouldn't that be lovely if, you know, the two parts of our brain worked really well together. Not when it comes to um, abusive relationships. 
it, it, they, it, things get very muddied. And when chaos begins to happen, we are in it and we just want that moment to become safer. You said something else right? that was really good yesterday too. You said, um, and I wrote it down. Let's see, do I have it? You said with a, a rational uh, relationship, the uh, problems have solutions. But in an right. abusive relationship, um, solutions are problems or become problems. Become problems. And what I mean by that, you know, we all have hopefully some functional relationships in our life. A, a good friend, a, uh, a colleague, uh, our neighbor, our hopefully some family yeah. members, right? And if a problem comes up, you come up with a solution and it's fine because both people want the solution and both people care about the other. And so they want things to go well, right? Mm -hmm. But in abusive relationships, solutions have problems. If I'm with an abusive partner and he says to me, you know, Nancy, if you would just not talk when I first come home and only spend exactly what I've told you you can spend on food and um, anything else you need. And you would not bother me with questions. Everything would be great. We'd be great. So I'm going to try and do that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and not bother him with questions. I'm going to try and stay below the budget limit. I'm going to try and do all those things. It won't make things better. Now I've got new problems he's brought bring up. Well, wh why are you being so good? What are you trying to hide? What are, why are you getting along mm. so much better with me now? Um, let me see your phone, who you've been talking to. Let me, you know, where are you, what are you doing with that money? Um, right? Now I got a new set of problems I'm going to try and figure out. Good is never good enough. Good is never good enough. But we thought it was when we entered into that relationship. We really thought it was going to be good because it, it's sort of, it was the honeymoon and, and we all have honeymoon periods of time in relationships, but in functional relationships, problems come up, you come up with solution, solutions because you both care about it. You both want right. solutions to the problems and you care about each other. You want each other to be happy. You want to build, build a functional life together. I guess yeah. that could be a telltale sign for, you know, people in a relationship, yeah. you know, early on when that dynamic yeah. seems to manifest itself and it's like, okay, that is a red flag. Yes, that's a red flag. And, and some of my clients will have very functional relationships with family, with employers, you know, that all those other parts of their life, they do really well. Mm -hmm. So they can't quite figure out why doesn't it work in the relationship? So maybe they got to try harder. Maybe their, their, their love isn't good enough. Maybe their partner is, is more wounded than they realize. So they just double down in the effort 
instead of doubling down in looking at this isn't a this isn't a healthy thing that's happening here. Yeah, yeah. You know, Nancy, uh, we're going to come back to that. And in our second half, we're also going going to talk about, you know, for somebody on the outside looking in, yeah. what we should and should not do. So anyone okay. who is, uh, you know, listening to us, you're on social media, whatever, you have some comments, drop them in. We want to see it. But stay with us. We're going to be right back. I hear someone go, didn't it come from you guys? Strangers cough at me. Move away from me. Someone spit towards my direction. All the stereotypes that we've worked so hard to break are just going to be reversed. And I won't let that happen. We all have their player part. I donate my plasma. I've been making masks. We deserve respect as much as everybody else. I'm a firefighter, not a virus. I'm a mask maker, not a virus. I'm a nurse. I'm a delivery woman, chef, a neighbor, artist, bus driver. I'm a doctor. Fight the virus. Fight the virus. Welcome back. I'm with Nancy Stone. She is a therapist with Jewish Family Services, and we're talking about domestic violence. Nancy, when we think of domestic violence, we think of punching and bruising and black eyes, but there's much more to it, right? Right. That is one form, physical abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say, in all honesty, probably... Only maybe two out of 10 of my clients that I, you know, see identify significant physical abuse. What what I, most of my clients struggle with, and the struggle is, is pretty intense, is emotional abuse, name calling, demeaning, um, intimidation, um, manipulation. So emotional kinds of abuse, along with verbal abuse, um, financial abuse can be a significant component. Mm. Um, either um, the abuser doesn't allow the victim to have access to money, or and then I have clients in which they are the breadwinner and they don't have access to their money. Um, also, sexual abuse happens. Spiritual abuse. Can happen. Um, I've had clients that really have not been able to follow their faith tradition because the abuser doesn't accept that or tolerate that. So yes, there can be lots of different kinds of abuse of abuse, and also different kinds of abusers. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now you're a therapist with Jewish Family Services, and right. you're helping. Um, victims or survivors of domestic violence kind of recover because and you were mentioning to when we were talking you were saying that you know they walk in and they're thinking uh i i guess i'm crazy but you're telling them you're not what you went through that was crazy what you're going through now what your experience is trauma from what you went through right 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the really important components of, of this kind of work is to really understand trauma. Because trauma, which is a completely overwhelming experience that is unexpected and overwhelms your system, okay? Um, some of the symptoms of trauma look a lot like mental health problems. Hard time sleeping, hard time eating, feeling overwhelmed, feeling numb, having a hard time concentrating, wanting to isolate, wanting to sleep, maybe having physical symptoms. Those are all traumatic symptoms from an event or events, ongoing events that overwhelm your system. And one of the things that we're able to do because we understand trauma is to be able to help people understand you're not crazy, you're been through crazy, mm -hmm. or you're in the middle of it. And so if we can help our, our clients normalize in a way, normalize the symptoms that they're having and help them to manage some of those symptoms, then they can begin to feel a little bit a little bit more of a foundation underneath them and can begin to, instead of being again in that category five hurricane, be able to have moments of getting a little radar image of what they're in. Okay, I see. Now I see the crazy making in a way that's different than feeling like I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of the things that we really try and help people help normalize, right? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if any of us were in a traumatic situation, we would have a whole bunch of those symptoms right. when it's ongoing or it's in the home we're living in, it becomes more, uh, overwhelming. Yeah. I, I remember you saying there in, in that abusive relationship, there's a chipping away of a person. Yeah, absolutely. The things that you need to be able to really understand your situation and to um, have the, the skills and the courage. I mean, it takes tremendous courage to face what you're in, to, to acknowledge that it's not of your making, it's not your fault, and then to figure out what to do to get out. That is, that's a lot. That is a lot. And, and, and abusers, one of the you know, emotional abuse chips away at who we know ourselves to be. Right. Yeah. If I'm, but when I met, you know, my partner and he acknowledged, boy, I really like how smart you are. And I really like how caring you are. And I really like um, the way in which you uh, can balance a whole bunch of things. But then gradually he begins to um, demean me. He begins to say that I think I'm too smart and, or I'm full of myself. And then he begins to think that I'm not good at managing everything. Those, those words and those intentions chip away at who I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as, as put together as I thought I was. Maybe he's right. Maybe I deserve what's happening to me. Yeah. You know, and no one deserves, no one deserves that kind of abuse and um, disrespect 
and um, lack of care. You know, I, when I was a TV journalist, there were there are stories that have stuck with me. Um, mm -hmm. And you, in the line of work you do, I'm sure that there are clients or cases that have really stuck with you. Is there one that just really sticks out? There's one that sticks out in kind of an unusual way. And um, in part, what in me sharing this story, it will help you to, uh, and my um, people listening to understand that a couple of things. One, therapy isn't that something's wrong with you. Therapy is, I really want my present life and, and my future life to be better and to be more what I want it to be, right? Mm -hmm. Therapy isn't, oh my God, there's something wrong with me and I'm broken and I need to be fixed. No. Um, and I, I had a client who she and I had been working together for about a year and a half. And she would sort of allude to some really significant um, abuse that she went through, physical abuse. And, uh, but she'd never really said a whole lot about it. She just sort of hinted at it. And then one day she came in and she said, you know, Nancy, you've been watching me for about a year and a half but I've been watching you and I think I'm ready to tell you the, the worst thing that happened to me. And that was a moment of, of me honoring her, that she was now ready. She was ready to share that and release some of the shame and release some of the, the, the difficult feelings along with that. And so we, she shared it with me. And that was really big. That was overwhelming. And uh, the following week, she came in and she looked at the chair she normally sat in and where she'd sat that day. And she looked at it and she said, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not going to sit there. I'm going to sit in your other chair. I'm going to sit in your other chair. And that sent shivers through my spine because in her trusting herself, and trusting me, we didn't have a time frame. It didn't have to happen in three sessions. It could be over time of trust building and her finding more and more of herself to be able to then share that. And it transformed her. Um, and that one really stays with me. Wow. It really does. Yeah, that trust, that trust, that's important. Trust. What, what do you say to people on the outside looking in, uh, knowing someone wanting to help, or maybe not, what should people say? What should people avoid saving, saying or doing? Yeah. So I talk a lot with my clients around support. What does good support look like? Good support is a person, a friend, a parent, a colleague who will listen to you and won't judge you, won't tell you what you should do because they haven't been living in your shoes, but will continue to reach out and just giving care and gentle loving that says, I'm here for you. I'm here for you and I want you to be okay. 
and um, support isn't someone saying, if you don't leave your abuser, I can't be your friend, or don't keep bringing up these problems because I don't want to hear it if you're not going to do something. That's not support. That's another person telling you how you should be, telling you that how you're managing your life isn't okay. So that that's not support. Um, helping people with regards to things like if they if they want to seek services, they want to come to Sojourner, they want to come to Jewish Family Services, saying, "Drop your kids off with me. I'll babysit. You go talk to somebody. I'll I'll do that for you." Um, not well. I guess you're on your own now. Um, you made your bed, you lie in it. That's, that's not support, right? Yeah. Um, and then also to, you know, judgments um, around, I wouldn't have let this happen to me, or I don't understand why you pick people like that. Those words aren't helpful. They just make me, if I'm the survivor, feel even worse about myself and feel unable to reach out to others and, and ask for some support. I can hear yeah. somebody saying all those things in their head yeah. thinking, this is tough love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Clients are already going through tough love, love tough, <laughs> yeah. dangerous love. What they, they need, need yeah. is, is compassion. And also, and as we've talked about, you are most at risk if you're thinking about leaving or when you do leave. And survivors are super smart about what they're in the middle of. They know when their, their partner is escalating. They know how to manage those things. They are going to have the best ideas and solutions on how, how to leave if you really just honor that, you honor the knowledge that they've had to have in order to survive what they're in. Kind of walk alongside them, but let them lead yeah. the way, let them be in control yes. of it. Absolutely. I really like that. Walk alongside them. Absolutely. Yeah. So they feel less alone and they don't carry as much shame, which in some ways, we ask ourselves, why should they be the carriers of the shame? They're not hurting. They're not the herder. They're being hurt. But shame is funny that way. The victim feels it, not the abuser. Absolutely. Well, Nancy, we have talked and talked. Yes. <laughs> And there's a lot to talk about. Um, thank you so much. This being National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and thank you for coming and spreading the awareness. Um, you were great. Yeah. You're absolutely it, great. it is my honor to be here this morning, and also it's always my honor to work with these survivors. They are very courageous. Excellent. Thank you for what you do. We've been talking to Nancy Stone. She is a therapist with Jewish Family Services. Thank you again. And we want to thank you for listening to us on the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. 
You can listen to uh, a past episodes. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and search for the 411 Live. And of course, you can find us on YouTube as well. And if you do go there, please subscribe. Thank you again. And for now, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk.